Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we have Greg Brown, administrator of Charlotte Angel Fund 1 and Charlotte Angel Fund 2, as well as owner of Cardinal Finance, which is a fractional CFO firm, back on the podcast for a continuation from our conversation last week. So, as you know, last week we talked um, almost exclusively on what Fund 1 um, and Fund 2 do, how they invest, Greg's role in it, um, where the companies are, and all of those, a lot of the logistics aspects of the two different funds. Really, I mean, I thought it was a, a, a nice little conversation. This week, because Greg's so involved in the startup ecosystem here in Charlotte, I wanted to, I wanted to grab 30 minutes of his time and just kind of shoot the breeze back and forth on it. So before I get started, Greg, thanks for sticking around with me for another 30 minutes. Oh, I'm more than happy to. Thanks for having me back. So, anyways, you don't have to see such nice things, Craig. Um, so, let's start off talking about the the company and founder space, um, and then we'll pivot a little bit more over to the investor space here in Charlotte. If you haven't seen the news here recently, Charlotte just missed out on Amazon HQ2. Um, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it was a pretty bad miss. I mean, we certainly didn't make it in the top 20. Um, maybe we would have been top 25, but not the top 20. Um, I still stand pretty firmly in the camp of we're better off over the next 10 years without them from a community perspective because of the strength, constraints that it would have put on growth and taxes and everything else. Um, with that being said, in order for us to be better off in 10 years, we need to grow the existing startup ecosystem. Since we last talked in 2016, the ecosystem has grown a fair amount, right? Um, QC FinTech now has a fall and a spring class rather than just a spring class. Uh, we had our first venture conference in town last fall. Um, Juan has firmly established Start Charlotte as kind of a hub of information for the startup community. Uh, we've got this new thing called the Carolina FinTech Hub that's gotten off the ground and is starting to have some traction as far as promoting us as a FinTech community. Uh, Walt Fries, now the leader of Innovate Charlotte, which used to be the Charlotte Fund for Regional Entrepreneurship. WeWork is in town, and the co-working space continues to explode. What's different? I mean, obviously, I just listed a bunch, but how's all this traction happened in the startup scene over the course of the last two years since we talked and the last five years since you started Charlotte Angel Fund 1? I think generally, startups are broader than Charlotte. Startups are seen as a cool thing, right? I don't know if it's Shark Tank. I don't know how it got here, yeah. right? But you know, startup lifestyle and not having to sit in a cubicle and... Everybody just wants know, to wear jeans and a t-shirt and flip-flops. their bike into the elevator <laughs> of an uptown office building and go to work at their startup, right? Fair and enough. Thumb the nose at the bankers. Yeah. The, um, so people, there's this sort of almost romantic notion now of working a startup, wouldn't that be cool, et cetera. So there's desire mm-hmm. to do that. The... All the things you listed, the those are all people expending energy related to the ecosystem. And that's Correct. a lot more energy than was being expended five, or if I go even back farther, maybe uh, eight years ago um, when I moved to Charlotte. The 
when I when I came here, Terry Cox was doing big. Yeah. And you know, there may have been sort of a loose angel network somewhere, but there wasn't a lot happening in the startup ecosystem. So a lot of people are expending energy. And I would think of that, you know, a little bit like an infant, right? An infant expends a bunch of energy and then eventually it learns how to coordinate that energy to be able to accomplish something. Yeah. Right? But first it has to it's flailing around and doing a bunch of things and eventually it can accomplish using only 50% of the energy that it was expending previously, yeah. it can actually accomplish something. I think we're in the phase of we've got all this energy being expended, which is great, and I think it's a necessary part of the process. Now, harnessing, coordinating that to increase our rate of accomplishment um, is the next step and something that I think we're starting to see happen. So as the community expends more energy to develop and nurture the startup ecosystem. Um, we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast, but are you talking with more Charlotte-based founders who want or need to raise money? Is it creating success um, in that angle as far as, and I almost kind of know the answer right now as I talk about it or think about it, um, in the quantity of, of founders here in Charlotte? I think there are know, some incremental increase in the number of founders in Charlotte. Yeah. The, um, again, it's, it's viewed as a, by many, a preferred work environment, a preferred professional direction versus going to work at a company that you can work at for 40 years and retire from. Yeah. Right? That my father or your father saw as the optimal way to lead a professional life. Correct. Um, so I think you see that happening. There are, um, so there's certainly companies out there that are seeking capital. The, I think there's a higher percentage of those who are capital worthy than there, than there were five years ago. Um, I think that's particularly true in Charlotte, but it's true sort of across the board. And part of it is, you know, I think the Charlotte companies, as as we start to develop this ecosystem, have a better understanding of the norms and just sort of how this is done, right? How can I do it without, I don't have to reinvent the rules, yeah. right? There's already sort of a roadmap about how to start your company, how to structure it, somewhat logical flow to funding steps and all of that sort of thing that um, now these companies, they can certainly access that information and there are more resources for them to be able to, you know, speak to, to get mentorship from, et cetera, to, you know, create an easier path. So when you say, you said it earlier and you said it again now, the, the quality of the founder is better. You're not necessarily just referring to we've got an MIT um, PhD here in town. You're just talking about the skill set of actually getting a company up off the ground and marching it towards higher growth status, which doesn't have to come with an MIT or Harvard or Stanford MBA or whatever to end up being. You're talking about skill sets of, of a particular kind, right? Of launching a startup company. Skill set and experience. Experience, right? so now, yeah. you have, now you have people who 
they're doing their second startup. Yeah. First one didn't work out so well. Now they're doing the second one. And you know what? They're going to be better at the second one than they were at the first one, right? Just, you know, by virtue of, oh, I'm not going to make that mistake again, yeah. whatever that was, yeah. um, versus, you know, okay, I'm going to step out from corporate America and try and do this thing. And it's just a vastly different world, right? The, you know, how you, how you conduct business in a large enterprise is far different than startup land, right? Startup in that large enterprise, you know, you could never build version one of anything for less than $2 million. In startup land, you got to figure out how to do that for a hundred grand, yeah. right? And yeah. it's just a different process yeah. and it's a different mindset. You're using different resources and, you know, but if you've never been there before, it takes $2 million, right? Yeah. I'm going to, and if I happen to have that capital myself, or I have access to friends who have it, I get $2 million of their capital. I build version one. I go to market and I find out I built the wrong thing, <laughs> which is what always happens, right? Yeah. So the whole point is spend as little money as you can on version one to go to market and have the market tell you what you really should have built. Yeah. Um, you know, much better to have only spent a hundred grand than to be two million in the hole and find out that you got to start over. Yeah, that's very true. So do you see... Um, more older entrepreneurs, more younger entrepreneurs, or is it still kind of the same mix that it was two years ago as far as 50% mature and 50% young? Totally. I don't have stats on this. I feel as though when I think about the people who've pitched a Charlotte Angel Fund over time, mm -hmm. I would bet you the average age of the entrepreneur has decreased. Okay. I bet they're younger. Um, you're in those meetings. How does it feel to you? Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree. It seems... Um, you see less gray, more hair. Um, you see, you see more women now as well. I feel like I feel like some of the diversity we've seen has improved over the course of the last two years too. Yeah, I feel good. So we've invested in fourteen companies in Charlotte Angel Fund. Four of those have female CEOs. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, and that wasn't that wasn't intentional. Yeah. It isn't, we're not set up to be a cause fund. So those people earned it. Yeah. Right. Um, which I think is great. Yeah, no, absolutely. So besides getting Mike Prager and his team at Avid to, to IPO, which seems to be everyone's solution for Charlotte's lack of new companies and funding. Um, what else does Charlotte need to do to attract new founders and new companies to, to be here in the Charlotte area, whether or not, it's a fast-growing startup that moves here, or ideally, it's a fast-growing company that starts here. What does it take? Again, outside of Mike and his team at um, at Avid, um, finally deciding to do their IPO, what what can happen? Yeah, you, you took away number one on the list. <laughs> well, of right? course, it's almost, I took it. Yeah, it's almost unfair. Yeah. Right? No, what do you want for lunch other than your favorite thing? Yeah. Um, I'll take I'll take Avid as an IPO for a one hundred, please, Alex. Yeah, right? You know, yeah. So let me. Let me just touch on that for a second, why I think that's important. Yeah. So my friend and Charlotte Angel Fund member, Chris Halligan, would say what's really important is to have a mutually wealth-building event. Yeah. And he happened to have been at Dell. He was at Dell in the late 90s. He was part of the growth of that company and part of that mutually wealth-building event. Yeah. The company went public, created a lot of millionaires. Yeah. And then those are people who have capital and have been a part of a startup, they understand that environment, how to do it. They're either going to fund other companies, they're going to start their own, 
it's a, it, they're going to make money for the people who invested in that company, uh, which is going to get redeployed into the ecosystem. That mutually wealth building event is a big deal. Um, but I can't give you that answer. Yeah, so, I took it away. I know. Um, let me just say, I think an important thing and a big plus for Charlotte is Charlotte's attractiveness at, from a quality of life point of view. Yep. There are, you know, we have the benefit of, and I think one of our big assets is people want to move here, right? It's a fast-growing city. People come here that, and then they're generally high-quality people, and they've had, um, you know, their, their sort of rich experiences, et cetera, but they come here because they want a different quality of life than they've experienced in the Northeast or otherwise, right? Yeah. Um, and some of those people, they've had the benefit of, you know, being in startups, being in, you know, the sort of companies that, you know, the early stage growth companies in Charlotte. I think a part of what, um, I think there's a kind of matching or coordination element that would be really helpful in Charlotte. If somebody, somebody shows up in Charlotte and they say, where do I go to find all things startup related? There is no one resource for that. Right? There are a lot of people doing different things. I yep. think it's a part of that coordination of energy mm -hmm. effort to say, hey, you, you know, um, CEO, founder of a startup who's come out of, let's say, Bank of America and do a fintech thing, let me help you get connected with a startup experience CTO who can bring the perspective and the experience that you don't have. You've got all the market expertise and you know all the credibility in that space, et cetera. Again, let's not let's, let's bring somebody who's built something for a hundred thousand dollars, yeah. right? Versus you grabbing the person in the cubicle next to you from Bank of America to be your CTO, who's you know not going to do never it. Never had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I think it's awareness. I think you know, a lot of people I hear talk about. We just need more capital. And first of all, I think at a, at a macro level, Charlotte's oversupplied with capital, right? Per capita, there's plenty of capital here. It's just the, not getting deployed. It's, it's de being willing to be deployed early stage, yes. right? That's what we're really talking about. And I think that capital follows deal flow. I don't think it works the other way around, right? The I, I hear people say, we just need to get a venture capital firm to come to Charlotte. Yeah. And so that would be, I think a venture capital firm coming to Charlotte would be a sign that the entrepreneurial ecosystem is working as opposed to that firm coming here to be a spark for it. Um, because we'll, we've seen great progress in the ecosystem, startup world, all the things we've been talking about. But still, if you weren't Charlotte aligned, if you were in... Omaha, Nebraska, and had decided you wanted to start a venture capital firm and were completely neutral with regard to what geography you were going to put it into, yeah. I'm still not sure Charlotte would come to the top of the list where you would put that from an access to deal flow point of view. Yeah, I right? get that. Yeah. Um, so the capital, I think, is going to follow the startup community. So I think really the key is building the number and quality of startups the capital will find its way there, yeah. right? Capital is capital is hungry for deal flow. So two different tracks on that. So um, if I don't know how much money City of Charlotte threw at City of Charlotte and County of 
Mecklenburg threw at Amazon from an incentives perspective. But let's just say they threw $50 million over five years in incentives. If they use that to create a public-private partnership, would it crowd out private investment in Charlotte just because the sheer, sheer size of it and the fact that there's not enough founders here in Charlotte to go around yet? I think the – so there's a challenge at the moment if if you had $50 million, let's say, and you wanted to deploy and you said, I'm only going to deploy that in Charlotte-based startups early stage. Or companies that committed to relocating to Charlotte, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would be challenged to deploy that capital. Correct. Right? But at would, the moment. Would talent flock here if you put up a flag and say there's $50, $50 million, please come grab it? Or would you get a crappy talent that flowed in as a result of it, so, too? Um, you probably get some of both, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, you know, I think the challenge from the challenge from a government point of view, so the, the Charlotte's economic playbook is working, yep. right? We are awesome at bringing in corporate headquarters. Good job. And, and that play keeps working. Yes, it does. And so we might say, oh, so... You and I and a bunch of other people, we have some angst and we say we should have a more robust startup community and we should redeploy some capital there, et cetera. I feel like it's going – let's imagine you're Ron Rivera, yep. right? Coach of the Panthers for those of you who don't know. Yep. And let's. And I might say, hey, Ron, you should pass the ball. Yep. And Ron might say, well, look, we're running up the middle. And like We get eight yards every time. Nobody's ever stopped us. Once somebody stops us, I'll think about passing the ball, Greg. But until then, yeah. right? Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And I feel like the city and the chamber, that's sort of where they're at with that economic playbook. That's fair enough, yeah. It's working. Yeah. And so while I might say, hey, look, it would be awesome if in somewhere in your scoring matrix when you're deciding how many economic development dollars to deploy, why don't you overweight, are you going to do R&D here? Yep. You're going to develop intellectual property here. That's going to bring engineering talent here, and that's going to bring a different type of resource yep. that I think would be important for the startup community. Um, but I think the answer at this point is, why would we start running different plays when the one that we run is still working? Because the, I mean, the deep seam is a lot more fun, right? It is more, yeah. it is more fun, yeah. right? And so there's a small subsection of fans that say, but I want to see you throw the ball long. I yeah. want to see this happen. Yeah. And they might be right. They might be right that that would be even more effective. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I'd be there in terms of, look, let's overweight that. Let's get, so we've seen some of that in Charlotte. We saw Chiquita come and go, yeah. for example. Very true. Easy to get them here. It's also easy for them to leave. Correct. You get an R&D center here, that's got a whole lot harder to move that thing. Yeah. Right? Once you get it here, those are the people, those are the guts of your product. Yeah. Those are the people who know it. Picking that up and moving it to the next city that wants to give a bigger pile of economic development dollars, Yeah. that's stickier, I feel like. Yeah, much stickier asset. So if it's not a $50 million public-private uh, fund that attracts talent. Do we need more incubators? Do we need more accelerators? Do we need more bikes on the street to attract millennials? <laughs> I know you're feeling of bikes on yeah. the street. Yeah, yeah, you've heard me rant, <laughs> not rants, but uh, wine. Yeah, that. exactly. What well, I mean, um, or is it just one of those things that, damn it, it doesn't matter what happens 
what we're doing right now is working. It's just a slow moving train. And that's a crappy answer that nobody wants to hear, right? But is that just the answer? I think it's. I do think it's some of it, yeah. right? I think. I think Charlotte is moving at faster than evolutionary pace. Okay. The there's sort of this natural pace of evolution that that would go on. I think we're faster than that because some because of intention yeah. of some people, right? Intention of hey, we should we should really build out this startup community, etc. I think some of it is Charlotte's. A, attractiveness as a place to live so we've got people generally the people that are coming to charlotte are making it a, so in general they're making it a better place right they are they tend to be high quality individuals who have experience skill set etc a lot of times it's aligned with you know being good for the startup community correct right um so i think that's all letting us move in fa- faster than evolutionary pace other than that sort of seismic event, like the the big mutual wealth building event, which nobody can push a button and make that happen. You can push other it. than Mike Prater. I was to say you can, uh, <laughs> you can push Mike, right? Is that kind yeah. of the button? Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, you can't force that to happen. Yeah. Right. I think all you can do is you can have the ground be fertile enough so that people don't have to leave Charlotte to make that happen. Yeah. But you know you can't create Michael Dell, you don't create Mike Prater, yeah. you just have ground fertile enough that they don't have to go somewhere else to become what they can be. In fairness, somebody did create Mike Prager, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> it takes okay. a little bit of time, yeah. Um, so um, let's stay there and then I'll pivot over and talk a little bit about number of members in the in the fund or number of investors in Charlotte. Um, and we've got Avid Exchange. Um, we've got now Passport, right? I mean, they had a big successful raise here recently. Um, Deal Cloud's done a couple different series. Map Anything, the name of the company that sold to Amazon that nobody's supposed to talk about. I mean, we've had, we've got some companies that have done fairly well. Um, but yet, Charlotte's still kind of, I mean, I don't know, maybe we just feel like we get the little brother treatment, but why is Charlotte more talked about with some of these, you know, successful companies that we're building or gosh knows why in the, why the Charlotte observer celebrating passport on the front page or sunlight financial, opening up a new headquarters or map, anything, raising the money a year. I mean, why is it not pushed within the Charlotte business community in and of itself? First of all, Charlotte isn't good at tooting its own horn. That's not, that's not the Charlotte way. It yeah. feels like charlatans tend to be understated yeah. about things. But you're right. There have been a lot of successes. I don't know why there are certain ones we can't yap about. but um, Fair enough. <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> um, you know, but all those, you know, map anything, um, Red Venture, you know, we have two unicorns, right? Red Ventures and Avid Exchange. Passport parking, big deal. Map anything, big deal. I mean, deal. based on the money they raise, somebody thinks they're going to be unicorns too, right? right. Those are big so money raises. The yep. deal must have been done that. They must think they can be a unicorn, yep. right? So those are some big wins. The I think we're not good at – I think a couple things. We're not good at touting ourselves. Yep. I think they've happened at a time – when there's a lot of other really good stuff happening in Charlotte. That's fair. Right? So, you know, the the competition for 
column inches or you know space on a web on a media website is pretty fierce. Yeah. Right. There's a you know look around. I I don't know if you could find a crane to rent within 200 miles of here. Right. <laughs> I mean. Fair enough. Yes. You know, and all that is so those are bigger dollars. Yep. Those are activities that are being driven by the sort of people who um, fund the Business Journal and the Observer and all those sorts of things, right? I, I, I pay my subscription, doesn't that count? Yeah, but you know, I don't know that, um, you know, passport parking, uh, sorry, just passport now. Yeah. The, um, you know, they're not doing a bunch of display ads in the Business Journal or in the Observer or any of that sort of stuff that is really a revenue driver. So it's sort of natural yeah. that they're gonna cater to those publications tend to cater to the banking and real estate communities. Yeah. And those are, look, and justifiably so, right? Those industries are bigger in terms of raw presence in Charlotte. They are, you know, they are drivers of the economics of those media outlets, et cetera. But um, back to your original point, I am with you. We, we've had more successes here and those are meaningful and they're big and we need to do a better job of talking about those and making sure the world's aware of them. Yeah. So a couple more questions. We're kind of coming up on time here. Uh, last time we talked, and maybe even today, you mentioned you've got 25 members in Fund 2. You had 60 members in Fund 1. The Charlotte metro area, I was looking at Wikipedia this morning, which has got to be right. Um, we have a population. The Charlotte metro area has a population of more than 2.4 million people. Um I'm assuming there's more than 85 accredited investors among those 2.4 million people. Why doesn't Fund 1 and Fund 2 have 1,000 members? Logistically, it would be a nightmare, but outside of that, yeah. You know, big picture. The um, people like to invest money in a way that resembles how they've made money. Yeah. Right? If if I made my money in real estate, that's, that's just my thing. I can evaluate a real estate deal a whole lot easier than I can evaluate a biotech company. I just know I know what's a good real estate deal and what's a bad one. If you made your money in financial services, uh, first of all, you made your money avoiding risk, yeah. and therefore, angel investing might be the antithesis of that. That's the, boring, right? I mean, come come well, see risk. Yeah, I, look, I'm with you. Yeah, um, but I think. So I think that is a challenge, right? The angel, the companies that Charlotte Angel Fund and angel investors in general are putting money into don't resemble the kind of companies that these folks who have capital have been a part of yeah. in many cases, right? It's, it's super familiar for somebody who is an entrepreneur and built their own company, even if it's not a tech company. Look, I started a company, I built it, I have an idea of what that life's like and you know, I understand I understand that early stage isn't only two million of EBITDA. Right? I understand that early stage is five people on a whiteboard and no customers and no product. And a bike and an elevator. That's something like that. Um but, I mean, my pitch to those folks listening is, I mean, you agree with me. You made your money in financial services. You have a skill set that would be applicable and helpful within the fund environment. And the same thing in real estate. You have a 
perspective that's brought to the table that broadens the knowledge of the entire fund, right? I mean, you would say you don't want only startup founders or serial entrepreneurs to be the fund members. Other skill sets diversify and broaden the the skill set of the entire group and probably sharpens the type of investments they make. Would you say yes or no? I would say yes. Yeah. 100%. I think one of the strengths of our group is the diversity of membership, um, ages, backgrounds, just kind of across the board, yeah. right? Um, I think that I'll do a little bit of an ad for Charlie and your fund. I think the uh, a construct like an angel fund or a network is a great way for someone to put a toe in the water, right? The, the thing we have to avoid is somebody with capital doing their, their first toe in the water being putting a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollars in their neighbor's pool cleaning business, yeah. right? Wrong sort of company to invest in, way too concentrated risk, all that sort of thing. It doesn't work out, and the person says, oh, angel investing kind of sucks, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can become part, get, be part of a group, you, you, learn, you learn a lot, right? From the interaction with all the members, just being a part of the process, and if a couple of years later, hey, I'm going to step out and do a couple of deals outside the fund construct because now, you know, I understand. I'm more familiar with it, yeah. right? And so more, e- it's easier and more comfortable for me to judge those things. I think that for people who are willing to, you know, let's say deploy twenty-five, fifty, up to a hundred thousand dollars in a fund that, so the money's gonna be illiquid for five to 10 years, yep. right? Ultimately, they should expect a return of two X or better on their money mm-hmm. and you know, be willing to um, learn about this space, yep. decide if it's something they wanna get even more deeply involved in. If they think that these sort of companies are a part of sort of a rich community and an important important aspect of the place where they choose to live. Yep. Um, I think it makes all the sense in the world, but I fully understand why for some people, just the notion of it's uncomfortable. It's like, man, that's so early stage, you know, I, I don't know. Yep. Um, you got to be willing to step a little bit outside your comfort zone. I think it's as safe a way to do it as it, as it can be. Yeah, well, you don't grow up, you don't step outside, outside of your comfort zone, right? So speaking of, how do people find you? Um, Twitter, they internet. Find, they can find me on Twitter um, at Greg Brown 407. Okay. Right? I'll let you guys spend hours trying to figure out why 407 makes any sense. Fair enough. Um, G, you know, website, cltangelfund.com. Yep. Um, happy to have guests at meetings, either entrepreneurs or potential investors. Yep. Just to see how the group works and be familiar with it. We try and be very transparent because I think that's a important in terms of maximizing our impact in the community. So the logistics of the meetings you meet on? We meet on the second Wednesday of every month um, at Packer Place in Uptown Charlotte from 6 to 8 p.m. 
drink beer from 5.30 to 6 and then or five make, thirty important, to eight. make important decisions from 6 to 8. Yeah, you can. You get to continue drinking beer. So yes. I, have to, I have to conduct a meeting. Fair enough. Well, it's been fun, Greg. I've enjoyed it. So All thanks right. for um, thanks for coming back for round two. I promise the sound quality is much better, and I think the interview uh, flowed a lot better. So thanks for sticking around for me or with me for 18 months. Thanks for having me back, and thanks for what you do. This, import, this podcast is important as well, and congratulations on the progress you've made with it. So, cool. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Another nice interview with Greg. Certainly, you can tell he's got his finger on the pulse of the Charlotte startup scene as well as just startups in general. So it's always good to catch up with him and just kind of discuss all things Charlotte, all things startup. And I expect to have Greg on probably every year, every other year, something like that, just to kind of shoot the breeze a little bit, find out what's going on within the fund, talk a little bit about that, talk about what's going on in Charlotte. Uh, clearly, you know, Greg's of the opinion that we're building to something. And I think everybody that listens to this podcast would hope that he's right. And probably when you look deep down at it, honestly, agree that he's right. I mean, there's been a lot of momentum over the course of the last couple of years and things are different now and they seem to be different in a good way and not a bad way. So speaking of different in a good way, uh, our interview for the next two weeks will be with John Espy. John is the uh, founder, CEO of Level. Um, we had a nice interview with John a couple weeks ago and look forward to bringing that to you here over the course of the next two weeks. We, you know, it started off, this whole podcast with John started off and as John and I kind of debated back and forth online, what was more important, the entrepreneurs or the investors, um, in other words, the chicken or the egg, right? So as we kind of debated about that back and forth online, we thought it'd be a pretty good idea to have a podcast. So uh, podcast number two is going to focus in on the chicken and the edge, um, egg syndrome here in Charlotte, which is more important. And we kind of debate, discuss it back and forth. So that's a great discussion. Uh, but podcast number one focuses in on uh, on level and how it came to be what it is. It's a a, a software app development company that has grown at a rapid pace over the course of the last four or five years um, with a huge pivot that got them onto that pace. So really solid, fun interview. I like John a lot. Their office space is neat. Uh, looks like they'll be moving here sometime over the course of 2018 as well. But please stick around, come back next week and listen into John's podcast as we talk about level and the chicken and the egg here for the next two weeks. Thanks so much for listening to the Charlotte Angel Connection. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey and Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey and Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey and Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. 
there generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.